Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our members of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position along with your favorite beverage to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine our show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Todd A., Nick W., and Dave V. We've got a new guest of a returning company on the program today. Peter Bell is here with us. Peter is the president and CEO of Northwest Copper. The company is a British Columbia-focused developer and explorer advancing a number of projects, including the Quanica Stardust Copper Gold Development Project. Northwest Copper is part of the oxygen group of companies. Northwest is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol NWST and also on the US OTC markets under the symbol NWCCF. Mr. Bell, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Maybe we just kick it off here by getting your background and experience in this natural resource business. Sure, and thanks. I have a background in both industry as a, as a geologist and in the finance world in, in both investing and banking. Um, so I spent about 16 years working in the mining industry as a geologist. A lot of that, 13 years with Newmont Mining, kind of working all over the world, actually, uh, including a bunch of years in Peru, some time in, in Africa, and a lot of time in Nevada, and then a couple of years in the Denver office of Newmont, basically traveling around the world looking at things they, they may or may not buy, so acquisition uh, experience. Um, then I spent 10 years on the buy side. I worked for and co-managed a mining-focused hedge fund based in the UK, uh, and then uh, three years in mining investment banking uh, before coming over to join Northwest Copper uh, in March of this year, just as the company formed. Pretty diverse experience here, and You've been with the company for about seven months. Tell us why you took the job, because I'm sure you had lots of things uh, out there for you. And with your experience, you could have gone anywhere. But uh, why Northwest Copper? Sure. Great question. Um, a, a bunch of different different reasons. I, I do have a real passion for the pre-production space and the opportunity to create value uh, in projects as you take them and de-risk them and explore them and grow them, you know, before you get into production, because that's where the real value add is uh, from the technical side and from a finance point of view as well. Um, I did uh, like the idea of working with Marco Day and working in the oxygen group. That was really important to me to work with someone who'd um, done this before. Mark's uh, started, I think, nine companies and uh, has been really successful in moving them forward and, you know, getting great outcomes for shareholders. So, so that was great too. Um, working in a jurisdiction like British Columbia, um, a, a really great opportunity, uh, you know, as, as the world becomes a bit more complicated, it's nice to, to work in your backyard sometimes. And I love the copper space. We have both the kind of cyclical shortages that happen due to uh, lack of grassroots exploration that's taken place for a long time. We've got that backdrop uh, overlain uh, with the whole electrification change of, of you know, how we're going to power our economy and how we're going to get around the world uh, based and all that requires a lot more copper. Uh, and then finally, the project itself um, is very scalable. So we've got, um, you know, a combination of, of quite a big project, but it also is a project with high grade, high margins. And um, we believe uh, a project that we can build and, and finance ourselves so we don't have to rely on someone else to take us out. Although, um, you know, obviously that can also be a good outcome for shareholders. 
Yeah, Peter, that would be great. And Mark's a fantastic guy. I know he's got a lot of work cut out for him, a lot of stuff on his plate going with the the group of companies as well. This project in particular is is interesting in the sense that uh, that this is something that you guys may move forward with yourself because of the capital costs that are expected, et cetera, that this is uh, fairly unique uh, in this area, specifically in BC. Talk about the market conditions generally, sentiment, for example, uh, certainly a little bit mixed in copper right now at the moment and also pretty low with relation to gold. Um, but maybe just talk about the market conditions, sentiment, the gold, copper prices. What are your thoughts at this point? Sure. So, um, you know, there and, and I think it's also important to distinguish between the pre-production space and the, and the production space. You know, as, as the copper price ran up, um, we saw more money move into the producers, which, you know, are typically more liquid. And that, that's that's pretty normal. Um, to have you know that that kind of first mover go into the bigger things and then people move kind of down cap um, over time. So you know and and it works the other way too. So you know we have been kind of lumped in with our with our peers and not performed particularly well over the summer as people have you know pulled money out of that out of that part of the business. I really believe in this copper transformation thing. You know if you look at and I mentioned this before, but you, there are really kind of a couple of pillars that support uh, my belief in the copper price. And, you know, the one is that, you know, it's it's hard to find deposits. And, you know, everyone's talked for years about them getting deeper and lower grade and more complicated metallurgically and so on. You know, we have a very simple, straightforward project, but the backdrop is there aren't that many big, easy to do projects around. The other thing is the world has shrunk and this applies to gold, too. Um, you know, it used to be when I was kind of starting my career in the 90s, lots of countries were opening up to exploration. And that provided a lot of opportunity for people to go around the world and find new higher grade deposits, you know, sometimes right at surface. That's really gone the other way, um, particularly in the last 10, even 15 years, um, as countries become more difficult to, to work in rather than easier to work in. That applies to gold and copper. But in the case of copper, then you overlay, you know, this whole idea that we're going to uh, move away from from oil and, and gas and uh, you know hydrocarbons and and everyone's going to be driving electric cars and we're going to have a much more electrified economy we're going to have a much more sophisticated power grid um, we're going to have electricity drive things and it's going to be based on you know different types of power generation all of those require a lot more copper so you've actually got two things working at the same time driving that copper price forward. There's there's some interesting components to that. I know people reference electric vehicles a lot, but at the end of the day, it's going to be a coal-powered vehicle. It's going to be a wind, solar-powered vehicle, hydro-powered vehicle, nuclear-powered vehicle, because as you know, these all get plugged in and they come from a real power source. But copper bridges all that. We know over here really well that nuclear is going to be a, a big component in bridging this gap uh, because we know that things like wind and solar quite frankly, they're just too silly to do it on their own. And so interesting component and points there because copper is going to be the beneficiary of all of this as we move forward here. Well, let's move into Northwest Copper here. Maybe just cover, it's been a while, last time Mark was on the program, cover the current capital structure for us, Peter, uh, the shares outstanding, the major holders, and how far this approximate 12 million Canadian in the bank will carry the company before the need to do another financing. So our capital structure, just very uh, simply, we're about 126 million and a bit shares outstanding, fully diluted, 155 almost. 
we've got cash, the 12 million that, that we disclose, um, we'll, we'll probably end the year with a bit over eight. That's our best uh, projection as of right now. Um, that eight could carry us easily through 2022 if we decided, you know, just to focus on advancing the kind of, you know, engineering project part of Quinica Stardust, which is a completely viable path. However, you know, the oxygen companies and and we're certainly no different you know believe in in being aggressive we've got great properties we've got our lorraine project and we've got our um, east niv project as well as exploration potential around stardust and quinica so you know we would look to have a more aggressive uh, exploration program which will fund if market conditions allow otherwise we'll um we'll focus on uh, on moving quinica stardust forward so you know we're in a strong position from a financing point of view we don't we don't need to raise any money uh, anytime soon. But at the same time, you know, this is this is a company that's really focused on growing itself. You guys right now have been attacking really on all fronts, whether it's East Niv and then also some work on Lorraine and then of course, uh, recent results coming out of uh, Quanica and, and also Stardust. Maybe just give us an update here. Let's just walk through each one of the projects. I'll let you pick which one you wanna start with, but go ahead and give us an update as to activities sure. on each of these assets. I'll do Stardust just quickly. Uh, it's the one we did some work on it earlier in the year, but it was really based on prior year's uh, results. So Stardust is a pretty special project, high grade, uh, underground, massive sulfide, um, really high margin kind of deposit, really, really unique, especially in, in BC. And uh, we put out our first resource on it. That resource uh, was about 8 million tons of about 2% copper equivalent. Uh, we have uh, metallurgy that we put out that showed recoveries in the mid to high 90s for both copper and gold so fantastic outcome there um, we've done a little bit of drilling at the very tail end of this year's uh, summer drill program there we just did three little tests of some uh, conceptual targets um, but really our focus there has been on um, taking the work that's been done in the past and, and getting it ready to incorporate into the the combined study we're putting going to put out in q1 of 2022 on Quinica stardust together. Quinica uh, has had a lot more uh, field work and, and money spent on it this year, and that's been on drilling. So you mentioned our drill results that we put out. We've put out two press releases. We've done a lot of drilling this year. Uh, assay turnaround's been pretty slow, uh, but we, we're getting our results out bit by bit. So we've, we've just kind of scratched the surface in terms of reporting what we've, we've done, but we've been tackling the high grade at Quinica. So Stardust, I mentioned the high grade Quinica is a bigger deposit, but it has a high-grade uh, subset of the mineralization, and that's really what we focused on. We're trying to improve that grade, trying to understand it better, and we're trying to expand it. And you know, we've shown progress on that on the first two press releases. We've shown uh, an increase in in where that uh, high-grade tonnage sits, and a lot of that is very close to surface, which is hugely favorable for the projects. And then we're continuing to focus on that high grade with drilling that will will come out. So I think you know people will be um, surprised at some of the grades out of Quinica. The more we look at it, the more it, it stands out as being quite unique, um, not just for its proximity to Stardust and having a lot of tons, but by having this uh, exceptional high grade for the kind of deposit that it is. So that drilling will continue to come out until the end of the year. Um, we've also drilled at East Niv. So. People may remember East Niv is a grassroots prospect worked up by the Serengeti team in the past, so one of our two predecessor companies. Um, a potential brand new porphyry copper gold deposit outcropping about 40 kilometers south of 
the past producer, the Kames, Kames project uh, in British Columbia. So we put the first holes into that ever this year. It's pretty remarkable to have a target like that in a, uh, anywhere in the world, but particularly in a place like BC uh, with um, you know the kind of grades we have poking out of the surface and never having had a drill hole put into it. So we'll have those results before the end of the year. And then at Lorraine, uh, we didn't drill at Lorraine this year, but but really we have spent a lot of time on the ground there, a couple of months uh, on the surface and have really come away incredibly impressed with the amount of outcropping mineralization, the, the uh, untested targets there and the potential for Lorraine to become something really significant as well. And remember Lorraine is close enough to Quinica Stardust that um, if the grade is high enough, we, we can incorporate it into a Quinica Stardust, a future Quinica Stardust uh, mine plant. That's excellent. I appreciate that update, Peter. You definitely have a pipeline here and they're all relatively close together here and an interesting set of assets that you guys do have here. Talk about this upcoming PEA for a moment. You know, the combined project view of Stardust and Quinica. I think this is expected sometime first, second quarter 2022. Can you give us a preview on what some of these parameters are going to be and what you think is a, a potential production profile, and then also what you think would be attractive to a potential suitor? Sure. So uh, there, I'll, I'll answer it a couple of ways. And first, I, I will preface it just by saying, because we don't, we haven't put out a study showing the two together, we have to be a, pretty general in terms of, of how we describe it. But I think I can provide some kind of useful parameters in terms of how we think about it. So. You know, as you mentioned early, uh, we are targeting um, uh, capital cost. That's something that we can do ourselves. And for us, that really means around $500 million uh, initial capital. So if you think about the copper space, there are a lot of big projects where you need, you know, multiples of a billion dollars to, to move a project forward. That's not the kind of project we want to build. We want to build a project that we can actually realistically raise the capital ourselves and, and build ourselves. So, so not a mega project. So think about that, that capital number as a starting point. Um, and then think about production from a production point of view, because of our grade, um, we can actually have meaningful production out of a, out of a smaller plant. Um, so uh, we're targeting production in line roughly with Copper Mountain or uh, New Afton, that kind of scale in British Columbia. So in excess of 100 million pounds of copper equivalent per year, you know, that's important um, because we want to be relevant. We don't want to have small production that's not of interest to corporates or to, um, or to investors for that matter. The other thing, the other way to think about this project too is, you know, we have copper, but we also have gold. We've got a decent amount of gold in this, in this project. And if you flip the, the math around, and you know, depending on what metal prices you use, you end up with you know in the ballpark of 220,000 equivalent gold ounces per year if you do the math on that on that copper equivalent pounds. So if you think about a, a project in Canada with that kind of production profile, you know, in excess of a couple hundred thousand ounces a year um, over a decent mine life in a jurisdiction like. British Columbia and Canada, that's something gold producers would be interested in as well. So we believe we actually have a wide range of appeal, both copper producers, gold producers, um, people looking to diversify, people looking to reduce their political risk by coming back into Canada. So we think we've got a lot of uh, appeal on the M&A front, you know, as we move this project forward. What do you think is going to be um, mine life? Do you yeah. see this really coming in at nine to 12 years? What do you see here on that? 
you can reference and again we did we did we haven't done this study yet and we haven't put anything out but you know we would be looking for a mine life of maybe more like 12 to 15 years okay depends on our throughput and you know we need to optimize the throughput of the of the plant balance that against the capital balance that against the production profile and if you know if we make it bigger the capital goes up the mine life comes down the production obviously goes up um, those are trade-offs that we're doing so you know in terms of what the actual mine life uh, is that that's something that will come out in the PEA but roughly speaking you're in kind of the right range interesting and just looking at other projects in the area and also I want to talk about British Columbia in just a moment here as a jurisdiction a lot of these projects in the area you definitely have the copper mountains of the world the Tosecos of the world you know whether it's Tosico looking at Yellowhead or yeah. you know working on getting their copper project in Arizona Florence up and going here very very soon the capex is attractive um, on this and uh, looking forward to seeing you guys you know besides the exploration work we really put out some good work on what this project could mean and bringing in some of that attraction let's switch back here i know you've had some prior comments on jurisdictions and various places to uh, work but uh, what are your thoughts on british columbia as a jurisdiction when it comes to not just you know expiration i, I think that's fairly straightforward but but actually developing projects and the permitting process because we know that this can take some time and it can be quite complex uh, in british columbia sure and i think it's fair to say that permitting projects is is complex everywhere now and it's just that sometimes the complexities are a bit different in, in different jurisdictions. Obviously, you know, British Columbia has very high standards for environmental performance and so on. The, the, um, and, and that, you know, is something that is, is in a way good for us because our project, by virtue of, you know, building a smaller footprint where we take advantage of the higher grade, we actually end up, you know, having less disturbance and less impact than a than a mega project so that that's helpful from a permit point of view you know the key thing one of the key things besides you know what your actual impact is is um, building relationships and partnerships with the first nations in, in british columbia and you know we've seen a couple of examples where if the first nations have a lot of opposition to a project it's very hard for that project to move forward we believe in providing partnership opportunities for the First Nations groups whose territory that, that we're working in. You know, we spend a lot of, put a lot of effort into building those relationships. We've hired a dedicated Vice President of Sustainability, Vesta Philipchuk, we hired her in, in June. Um, so to, we have a dedicated executive um, who only focuses on that. And she comes from a background of working for a long time for tech uh, in British Columbia on the interface between First Nations uh, leadership and, and people and uh, exploration. So she really knows what she's doing. She's very well connected. People know her. She's got a great reputation and she's set up a lot of interaction for us with those groups. And, you know, I believe that it's very difficult anywhere in the world to move a project forward if you don't have partnerships with the local communities. It's true in South America. It's true everywhere. Um, so that's something that, that we spend a lot of time working on and moving forward on. We believe that if those partnerships are strong and viable and, and you know, long lasting, that permitting in British Columbia is, is actually reasonably straightforward. 
it definitely is extremely important that everything start at the very local uh, community level and work its way out from there. And of course, you know, dealing with the the high level government obviously is 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 a bit different, but both complex depending on what jurisdiction you're dealing with. Um, maybe just talk about a little bit more about the community work at this stage. I know the company's small, Peter, at this point, but uh, you guys obviously have a good list of objectives you want to complete at the community level. Would you like to just uh, maybe point out a few initiatives that you guys are working at at this point, and then what maybe initiatives would be focused uh, when this company moves into bigger market cap development construction stage? You know, in terms of my meetings with First Nations leadership, and the guidance from from Vesta and others, you know, the the main thing that we're focused on and that that people generally want is the building capacity in those communities. So, um, you know, the ability to have um, businesses in the communities that can uh, benefit from the development that takes place in the communities and and not just um, you know not just be passive in in that kind of mining development or whatever resource development takes place. So our focus to date is largely on contracting opportunities, on you know working with the communities to build up uh, employment and so on uh, in our uh, in our um, projects. And you know that I think will continue to be the focus at least in the near term. You know because we're obviously an exploration stage company. It's a bit it's a bit speculative. Um, but building that capacity out is something that then the communities can use more broadly, you know, regardless of, of you know, whether we sell this project or, or whatever the, the case may be. So that's that's really our our focus is on helping those communities. They have um, businesses that that provide different kinds of services to um, to exploration and mining companies. And, and we're really trying to use those and, and allow them to grow and, and become sort of self-sustaining. That's excellent. I appreciate that, Peter, and looking forward to uh, to more initiatives on that front. Again, I think it's uh, highly important, especially in this jurisdiction, British Columbia and, and First Nations in Canada across the board. How about just overall company strategy at this point? I suspect the first thing is that you guys want to demonstrate to the market the attractiveness of the Stardust Quanica combined project. And from there, obviously, demonstrating the lower capital expenditure potential here as compared to other projects in British Columbia. Continue the exploration work and advancement on East Niv and Lorraine. But the market hasn't responded much yet. What do you think is needed to change that? First of all, I think that our, our results to date have been excellent, although we've only put out a couple of releases. I, I expect that the drilling will continue to um, you know, provide interest. And I've had a lot of very positive uh, feedback from the sell side. And obviously, I haven't seen a huge amount of, of buying, or it's not obvious to me. But you know, people who follow the project and know the project uh, recognize the value of, of what we've been doing on the drilling front, and we're going to continue to do that. I do think that when we uh, put out the PEA, that people will be surprised at the kind of value that this project can have, and that it, that it has. You know, if you if you compare us on a price to, to net asset value basis, you know, that's something that's hard to do right now because we don't have a public market project. But when we do, then, you know, then we can trade more in line with, with our peers. And we believe that, you know, we're hugely undervalued on that basis. Um, and so, you know, that we, we would expect some some re-rate there as we bring that out. And, and just to be clear, I know you said Q2, it's actually Q1 of 2022 is our is our target for putting that project out. 
We've continued to, to engage. Uh, we've grown our, our research coverage, so we've gone to, to five research analysts now. Um, we continue to market. We continue to um, speak to people like yourselves to, to get the story out. Um, I do think it's really unique. I do think it splits the difference between the small projects, which are cheap and easy to build, but don't have any real material production, and the big projects, which you know have potentially huge production, but there are a lot of barriers to getting them uh, over the line and, and financed and built. So, you know, I think our project is is really well positioned on multiple fronts, and uh, you know, we continue to tell the story, and uh, and you know, we've had traction in places, and we believe we'll get more of it as we get the uh, drill results out and the and the study out. Looking forward to the study and uh, of course continued drill results here, which. Uh, I'm expecting you guys, that'll continue to flow out here, Peter, probably over the next, through November, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, drill drill uh, assay turnaround time uh, has been a couple of months at best right now. So pretty slow, um, you know, so yeah, we'll, we'll have drill results coming out um, probably too close to the end of the year. And walk us through 2022 here, just give us a, a quick schedule of your objectives to finish out obviously this year i think we know where that is but yep. talk about where you'd like to be with this company by the end of 2022 we want to spend some money and some time uh at lorraine uh in 2022 it's close to quinica stardust we believe it has huge potential we believe we can we can put something together there that can be included in the in a future quinica stardust comprehensive study we won't be able to put it anything on uh, Lorraine and the study that's coming up in Q1. So a big focus of our program in, in 2022 is going to be Lorraine, drilling at Lorraine and taking advantage of uh, what we already know exists there, which is you know a decent number of pretty high grade tons and a lot of uh, surface prospectivity. And I would add a very, very big property position. I mentioned that we drilled at East Niv. Um, we need to follow up on the drilling that we've done this year. Again, we haven't put out results from it, but we want to go back in there and drill more of it. And then at Quinica Stardust, uh, we've drilled quite a bit at, at Quinica this year. We probably won't do any near mine drilling at, at Quinica or, or you know, in the deposit, um, but we still have a lot of step-up targets that, um, that we both identified last year and that we uh, didn't get a chance to follow up this year that we'll go back into. And then finally Stardust, which of course is the high-grade core of, of the project in a lot of ways, um, we've just scratched the surface this year in terms of drilling it. Um, we want to have a more comprehensive program uh, next year and, and expect it to drill quite a bit at Stardust as well. Peter, can you talk about just PEA comes out on time here, Q1. What's the, the thought process as far as management looking to move towards a pre-feasibility study? Is that something that could be expected in 23? What's your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, we haven't we haven't asked anyone uh, on the engineering side to guide us in terms of how long uh, that will take. However, you know, uh, uh, going to a PFS is something that you know is sort of one to three years, uh, I would say overall for for your average kind of project. Um, here, our project is not complicated and it's not huge, so I'd expect us to be on the short end of that. So more like 12 to 18 months to be able to get to a PFS. Um, there's not a lot of drilling that needs to be done at Quinica. I mentioned that we've done quite a bit this year. Um, there will be some additional drilling that will be required for a Stardust, uh, for Stardust to have it in, in PFS, and then we'll have some additional uh, work on probably on, on metallurgy and you know refining our engineering and so on. So you know I would look for us to have a PFS uh, sometime in 2023 
and then based on when that PEA comes out in, in, 20, in the early part of 2022. I was going to ask earlier, in talking with your friends at Newmont, and given some of the comments coming out of Uncle Mark over at Barrick with regards to looking at copper, um, mm-hmm. understanding where copper's headed here eventually and where copper's going to be a big beneficiary going forward. You know, tech has a minority stake in the company here. What do you think the majors are thinking here as far as, uh, especially some of the ones that are more focused on gold about coming into copper? Well, I think that, you know, there, there's always been the discussion around the, you know, what having more copper does to your multiple as a gold producer and so on, and, and it varies over time. I think there's a lot of appeal in uh, coming into copper now for gold producers and probably less uh, downside than there's maybe has been for, for a long, long time for it, certainly, you know, for 40 or, or so years. Um, so I think, you know, we know we have a lot of interest from gold producers in at least coming and kicking the tires here. You know, people are keen on getting scale, which you can get in these kinds of deposits. Um, people are keen on being in great jurisdictions, which we have here. You know, having sat in the, the M&A evaluation uh, chairs uh, at Nimont, um, I know the other thing that, that producers like is a big property position because when you when you make an acquisition, you need to tell your board and your shareholders um, that there's upside. And it's hard to argue there's a lot of upside when you don't have a big property position. We have a very, very big property position, including the big Lorraine project and um, East Nev as well, as well as obviously Quinica Stardust um, land position is pretty substantial. So we have that. We have the scale. We've got the jurisdiction. You know, we've seen Newmont move in on GT Gold, so they obviously have an appetite for that part of the world. We've seen a lot of interest in people trying to pick up land in the region, I mean, through us. We have to be careful about the kind of deal that we want to do too early. You know, we don't want to give away too much of our upside uh, early in our life. But but I will say there's a lot of interest in uh, in people trying to uh, get a, gain a position uh, on copper gold projects in, in British Columbia right now. Well, to wrap up, for investors who are on the sidelines listening here, market cap of the company stands about 65 million Canadian. Why should they consider Northwest Copper now? I would say we should consider it because in the short term, we have we have great news flow, including uh, another resource update, which I didn't mention at Quinica, um, all that drilling, uh, and then the PEA, which I think will, will uh, surprise people very much to the upside. The other thing is that, um, you know, as I mentioned before, we really sit in that sweet spot of, you know, the right jurisdiction, the right size, um, good infrastructure in the area. I think we're, we're, you know, the most doable copper development project uh, around right now. And that is something that, you know, will be recognized increasingly by investors. And Peter, the best way for interested parties to contact you? The easiest way that if you get a fast response is to contact um, Adrian O'Brien, whose whose contact details are are on our website, and Adrian tells me right away when people get in touch. So, excellent. That sounds good. Well, Peter, really appreciate you coming on to update on Northwest Copper. We're looking forward to seeing this progress ahead and bring more value to shareholders. Thanks for taking the time. All right. Thank you.